GM, it's Bobby Hundreds, and you're listening to another episode of Bomb Talk by Adam Bomb Squad. It's our weekly live Twitter Spaces talk show where I cover NFTs and a specific topic, whether it's NFTs in streetwear, NFTs in collecting, decentralization of media. Today's topic is NFTs in street art, which are two topics that you might not think go hand in hand, but they make a lot of sense, as you'll see play out in this episode. We have three legends on stage. We got Risk, we got Tristan Eaton, and we also have Everlast, who is an important musician, number one, yeah, but number two, has been fundamental in the art collecting community over the generations. And so he has a unique perspective on street art and NFTs as well. These three guys I've known pretty much my entire career, half of my life. They're hilarious, super personable, and just really great guys. And so I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. It feels a bit different than the other bomb talks because it's just a bunch of buddies hanging out. But we get to talking about NFTs, our our view on all of it, where street culture and street art come into play. Um, Yeah, enjoy it. It's a good time. How's it going, everyone? All right. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. We filtering in here. Come on in, everyone. Just waiting for everyone to start uh, joining the room. We'll start in a couple minutes. Throw up a, throw up a hundred, throw up a, a hand, just to let us know you're alive and you're feeling alive. See here, I'm gonna start adding my uh, my team as co-hosts. Adam Bomb Squad is in the building. The hundreds is in the building. Let's go. Okay, so um, here we go. If you if you look up at the top there and you and you see the Adam Bomb, uh, actually the hundreds avatar, it's the In Love Adam. This is a a big next week for In Love Adam as. We are starting to leak uh, what our Valentine's Day collection might look like. I don't even know if that's been announced anywhere uh, officially yet, but um, you'll be seeing In Love Adam a lot. And, um, and and follow us if you don't already on The Hundreds and Adam Bomb Squad. You're, <laughs> you're listening to Bomb Talk. This is my, well, I guess it's supposed to be my weekly live Twitter talk show. Uh, dedicated to NFTs, Web3, um, Metaverse, if you want to lump that in there. Uh, all the subjects that I've been curious about and picking at for the last year and a half. And um, my name is Bobby Hundreds. I'm your host for today. I try to host this space once a week. I started it in the fall because I felt like the room... This space, the crypto, Twitter, NFT space, whatever you want to call it, was kind of cloudy and obscure. It was kind of hard to see, right? That we were pretty isolated, alone. You know, it can be kind of scary when you're looking at how daunting and overwhelming all this technology is. The language barrier is high. The cultural, the educational learning curve is really, really, really steep. And so um, I was like, you know what, we all just kind of have to put voices and personalities and humans to the PFPs, we have to attach us as 
as people to these NFTs in order for people to care about them because we can't reduce this art just to JPEGs that we're flipping around and watching perform on a on an open sea chart. Uh, it's just not going to lend to a very sustainable marketplace, let alone a thriving culture. So in the fall, not long after we launched our own project, the Anim Bomb Squad, which is a 25,000 piece PFP project. You may have seen it around a bunch of these cartoony bombs. Some of them are atom bombs or madam bombs or batam bombs. But after we launched our project, we saw a great need in our community because we had onboarded so many new people to NFTs. We wanted to introduce them to the community at large, introduce them to some of the leaders that we respected and cared for the most the ones that had inspired our own journey and just wanted to make the entire space feel more human and warm and inviting. And so I continued to do this show with the same intention, making the room feel a little bit less scary, a little bit more friendly. And in order to do that, I bring together different members from our community, from the squad, and also just huge cultural influencers in the space together every week, just to have a pretty simple dialogue. You know, this is not meant to be very inside baseball. There are more sophisticated NFT podcasts and spaces that are dedicated to that type of level. You know, ours is more for people who are genuinely curious, who are kind of just fiddling around, want to dip their toe in, and uh, they don't want to be preached to. They don't want to be confused by all the technical jargon. They just want to hear everyday human beings talk about this crazy, new, complicated, confusing thing called NFTs. And so um, every week we have a, a different theme that we follow, which just so happens to be a different subject related to the Web3 space. You know, we've talked about just NFTs and collecting with Steve Aoki. We've talked about um, NFTs and art, NFTs and photography, um, responsibility in collecting NFTs with Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, the last bomb talk that we had was about the art of the collaboration because we had three projects we had done with the Dead Fellas, All Smiles, and with Brain Vomit. And we brought founders Betty, Wahid, and Steven to the room to talk about the importance of collaborating within a burgeoning subculture and how that can make for a really sustainable and once again, a thriving space where we can play for a very long time. It's important to collaborate. And so these little rooms that we hold here, they're micro collaborations in ways. You know, we are all different people from all different, different backgrounds with different projects and different purposes in the NFT space. We come together for one hour to share our opinions and thoughts and musings on everything that's going on. And because we are building relationships and conversing in a way where we're being communal, um, I think it also informs a much more textured and reinforced larger marketplace where our community feels like they have more trust amongst each other, amongst uh, their own community and with the founders themselves. A lot of people find out who their next favorite project is by listening to this space. Uh, that's a big part of Adam Bomb Squad is the onboarding and the education for many people, especially those in this room. Adam Bomb Squad was their first NFT. 
and so um, this is a great way to learn, great way to introduce yourself to the next great big things, big people, big projects and players. And so today, let's start it off. We're talking about NFTs and street art, which we'll get into in a little bit, um, are strange cousins. You know, you, you wouldn't necessarily, you know, think of those two words and genres in the same sentence, let alone us having a, uh, a, a speaker's panel dedicated to that subject today, especially if you're coming from um, a pure street art background, you know, I've, 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 I can imagine the grumblings to critique the criticism um, as we are looking at this vast new technology. Uh, but I think there's a lot for NFTs, um, curators and curators and collectors to learn from street art, watching its history and trajectory over the last few decades, having gone from the graffiti that we've all seen blanketing our cities uh, to being widely accepted in the high-end, high-art gallery world. And uh, now street art means many different things to many people, but at the end of the day, it's become a very household genre of art. So wanted to invite a few of my friends that I've known for many years, um, artists, but also collectors, um, real cultural innovators and influencers in the space. But before I bring them up on stage, I'm actually going to ask Sandy from Adam Bomb Squad to step on stage real quick, if she doesn't mind, and talk about uh, the POAPs. Every show comes with a free NFT. It's called a POAP. Uh, proof of attendance protocol, and she's going to explain how you can retrieve your free NFT. Hey, guys. Thank you guys so much for joining this talk tonight. Um, for one, we're having a little issues with the POAP currently, but it is going to be up in just a couple of seconds. So the main thing you do need to focus on is the word Montana. Every single POAP does have a request code, which is needed. Um, as Bobby mentioned, every single POAP is an NFT, and it could be your first NFT if you don't have one already. But it shows um, almost very similar as like uh, an event ticket or just a movie stuff to prove that you were at some place. So this is your proof that you were here. Um, so as soon as that tweet goes up, it is going to be pinned at the very, very top of this Twitter space conversation and just fill it out. The request code again is Montana. And I'll remind you guys again, if you did miss it. Um, but yeah, enjoy the talk. Thanks, Sandy. Uh, once again, you're listening to Bomb Talk. I'm your host, Bobby Hundreds from the Adam Bomb Squad. And we are done with my very long 10 minute 10 minute winded introduction. Um, <laughs> we do that just to give enough people give people enough time to walk into this space. I'm going to now bring up our three guests. We have Tristan Eaton. We have Everlast. We also have Risk here, um, all requesting to join us on stage uh, as they as they start making their way up here. Uh, we're setting up the talk for today is about NFTs and street art, the intersection, how they play into each other, play off of each other and why it's really important for NFT for the NFT community to be mindful of street art and its history, um, because I think it can dictate a lot uh, about where this space can potentially go in the future. How's it going, guys? What's up, Bobby? What's happening? What's up? What's up, Risky? How's it going? I know, um, is, is, did Everlast make it up here? I know he was, he was trying. Hey, let's try to get him up here as well. Um, Thank you guys so much. I know I know you all are, are mad busy. 
you're doing like 4,000 things at once. And uh, Risk, I know you're working on um, your own project. Uh, Tristan, you have a, a project that's currently out that's just killing it. It's called Gemma. Um, and then we also got Everlast up here who uh, I love just seeing Everlast in the space, man. That's how we know that we got something legitimate going on here. <laughs> Is that right? Is that right? I, do, I, do I really legitimize things? <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. Man, all points of culture, when I look back, like on the last 20 years of us doing the hundreds, I looked up and you were always in the right places at the right time saying the right things. And so when I was when uh, Tristan was like, we got to get Everlast in the room, I was just like 100% because his perspective on this is going to come from a, um, just such a knowledgeable base. So uh, I get, you know what, you know, let's begin with you, if you don't mind, Everlast. I'm here. I just, um, like, I, people know you for many different things. You're sitting next to someone on an airplane. How do you describe what it is you do and who you are? I, I try to avoid those conversations at all costs. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm a weird cat, man, because... I actually revel in the fact that my music is so much more famous than my actual face or like persona. Like I, I always made jokes. Like I like to be able to go to Ralph's and, you know, go to the olive bar and make myself like a, you know, a little plate of olives and get in line and no, and jump around playing on the overhead speaker and nobody has a fucking clue. I love it. So <clears throat> you have to really ask me what I do. And then I'll just tell you straight up, uh, most people don't. I, how about this, <laughs> R- Kelly Risk? Yo. Tristan, how would how would you describe? How would you uh, explain who Everlast is? Oh man, immediate rap icon. First of all, um, you know House of Pain, jump around is like you know part of the fabric of of our culture, and beyond that, you know he was, you know the guy that started rock rap. You know, um, so many legendary contributions to musical history. I don't know about started, but okay. All right, it's my opinion. So <laughs> I think that, but also he's a Grammy-winning rock star, man. You know, but yeah, um, Everlast came into my world uh, as a collector, and Everlast was very early in collect eighties. Used to write Midas, which is dope, but also was collecting cause very early and Banksy very early and is one of my earliest collectors and, uh, you know, has a very interesting perspective on it all. And I wanted him part of this conversation because of that, but also because he and I are working on uh, a way to bring uh, his music into NFTs with my art right now. And this is probably the first time uh, we're announcing that and talking about it. So I'm very excited to see how that unfolds. And then I also feel like, you know, I'm a little brother to uh, Risk and his generation of graffiti writers. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without uh, what they did. And, uh, you know, I look up to these two guys so much um, and I, I love to see them kind of coming into this new technology. But also props to you, Bobby. Like, we're very honored to be here with you. And I, I love what you're doing and the tone you bring to this space is really worth it, man. It's really great. I, I like what you're doing, man. I can't thank you enough for having us. Oh, my yeah. God. I was, I was so excited when you even asked to do this. And, you know, we've been trying to do this for a while, but it's like 
it's just really nice. Look, we got into this space uh, about a year and some change ago, and there weren't a lot of familiar faces in crypto and NFTs, right. especially coming from our backgrounds. And so, like, over the last year, seeing more of the homies walk in, and um, I just feel so much more confident moving around now, knowing that, like, the OGs that I've all, like, you guys are all my OGs. And like knowing that you have our back and like we have your back now, like it just, this, it, everything just feels so much more confident and strong. Um, Risk, if, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, bro. How about you? I'm good. Uh, Everlast, also you, you and Risk have a relationship that goes back a long way as well, right? Yeah, Any I mean, years? like, like, like um, Tristan said, I, I was a, I was a um, pretty average shitty graffiti writer i could fill your shit in though if you like you know what I mean? like i was a good worker i wasn't the best outline i could hit good characters and i could fill in and i could do the painting but like i didn't have the letter styles and all that shit but i was basically the the era he was in the streets was all the guys i ran with were like rta i don't know people ain't gonna know who this was but like l2s and rta were crews i was involved in so it was like at times we weren't like actual rivals because i, I doubt he even knew who i was at the time but uh, you know, like the crews were rivals, you know what I mean? So yeah, I, starting there. And then once that all, we all grew into other things, you know, I, I started collecting all the art. I started collecting cause I was a frustrated graffiti writer, honestly. I like it. So I turned to collecting. It started with like, you know, bounty hunter toys and all the eight, you know, the, that Hong Kong scene with the vinyl where like all the graffiti writers were getting, you know, jobs over there designing characters and stuff. And I was hip to it because like Danny boy put me onto some of it and, you know, other cats once they knew I was collecting and it started with the toys. And, uh, <clears throat> and then it, it, it is, as these guys that were doing toys and whatnot started making different kinds of art paintings and then moving into galleries, I just started following you know, and, 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 and collecting. Cause it was like, I mean, honestly, it wasn't expensive stuff and it was, I loved it all. That's just what it was. I was doing, I was collecting stuff. I loved. I mean, if you came to my house back in the day, there was, there was nothing hung up or put away. It was just kind of piled up and like you came in and I showed you shit. You know? <laughs> Yo, Eric, Eric though, I gotta say back then, you know, I did go to your house and you had so much, you were collecting so much stuff, but bringing it back to streetwear, you were a mad sneakerhead, dude. You had so oh, many shoes. Oh, yeah. And I, <laughs> and I think that was the precursor to your toys. And then the toys uh, was a precursor to the fine art you were collecting. It seemed. It, it all, it all you gave me my first toy. You, yeah. Everless, you gave me my first toy. You gave me those cost toys. Those were my first toys. Are you shitting me? That wasn't even that long ago. Man. Yeah. I know, bro. You got. I was like, I was sleeping on that. Well, shit. You got. You know, you got some good ones for the first ones, bro. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what, what do you guys? What do you guys think it is with um, the collector's mindset? Right. Like, not everyone is a collector, but for Eric Everlast, like, you know, there's something about you. Um, major. What is it? Have you ever put, been able to put your finger on it? Like, what is it? With, oh, I, with collectors? Why I definitely are have. I de it's, it's, it's the hunter gatherer, but the hunter part, you know what I mean? It's the closest thing I get to that. You know I mean, cause I, I fancy myself. I'd be a hunter if I had the time. I like the idea of it. I like the thought of it. I like the, the karma of eating something that you went and got. And you know what I mean? That kind of thing. If you're going to eat like that, that's, but I just don't have the time to live that life. 
and and I think it's an innate nature of man to have like that thing, the thing you hunt, the thing you're that you have a passion to hunt for. So uh, it, it sates that, you know what I mean? Meanwhile, Risk and Tristan, you guys are on the other side, right? I mean, I'm I'm sure you guys are collectors are, are also in your own right, but you're also on the other side as as the creators and the artists. And what is it that uh, motivates and drives you to do that? Like, what do you th- where do you think that plays into the ecosystem? I don't know, man. I mean, I've never really considered myself a collector. I, I have a lot of friends who are artists who are getting artwork from other friends who are artists all the time. I like that, but I've never been really, uh, never had a huge appetite for that. But I relate to what Eric's saying about the kind of like caveman instincts of what drives you and that factors into my creative process for sure. You know, the the hunter caveman is definitely what drives me to create and generate my work. So I, I relate to him in, in that way. Uh, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I love uh, creative design and that drives me to want things more than anything, you know, being around good art and being around good design. Um, but the, the caveman instinct definitely drives my art creation for sure. And Risk, with your background, I mean, you are a true graffiti pioneer. Well, Risk just um, is a caveman, just period. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in your, in your caveman Neanderthal days, yeah. um, you know, what, what was it about graffiti that spoke to you back, um, you know, back, oh, man. back that was, in, the, in the beginning? That's an easy one, bro, because like I've been doing graffiti in Los Angeles for like 37 years, something like that. And it was at the time I felt it was the last hand to medium to surface art form. And then even back then, it was going to go digital, right? It was going to go to computers and all this stuff. So I thought it was a very important art form. And I thought it was like a fucking really cool subculture because it was like 11 of us doing it at the time, you know? And then it just grew into this thing. I, I, I set out to – my goal was to make this like a – like a household common art form, you know, just like a, a normal genre. I didn't like the word graffiti. I used, I just said, we're just artists. And then that was kind of it. So I was just kind of just addicted to it, basically. Did you ever think that at this point in your life, you would, you know, it would span your entire career, right? Like that you would decades later still be not just making a, a career and a living off of it, but it would just consume your entire identity, this infatuation with street art or graffiti or whatever you called it at the time. Uh, I think yes and no to answer your question. Cause like, I just knew that, you know, risk was like who I was at that time and who I am now. And, and I was always going to do it. I always said, I'm going to paint till the day I die. So I think, yeah, I did. And when, um, when graffiti started to take a turn and it started entering galleries and different artists took uh, varied paths, right? Like mm-hmm. some of these guys and women, you know, went uh, high art, right? Some went more collectibles based. Um, some moved into different arenas. Like for me, the reason why uh, I was more than happy to host this space is that my background is in streetwear, but my initial the origin story of why i was infatuated with street work came from street artists right like it was you with third rail and like lenny futura and, and hayes and what stash yeah. and hayes were doing project dragon and like futura labs and recon and, and nfc like all these the early streetwear brands were actually 
essentially merchandise for street artists. Yeah. And people kind of tend to forget that. They just talk about streetwear and they're like, oh, it started with Supreme or something like that. Or it started with sneakers. And I'm like, oh, actually, no, what you're missing the whole point of it. even Sean Stussy, the way he was scrawling his name, like it was all inspired. Yeah. But also Doe's Green. Doe's Green did a lot of graphics for early street art as well. Kickwear. Yeah, he did that. Right. Yeah, it was Kickwear, I yeah. believe. He did Bad That's Boy right. Club. He did some other stuff, too. Yep. Yeah, Doe's did a lot. And so, like, the street artists, you know, there's something really special about them because for every generation, they've tended to play, you know, in the shadows, but they've kick-started whatever that next cultural revolution is and tends to be, right? And so, like, my generation, it was streetwear, and then you saw them, like, kick Art toys. whatever it was. Art toys, right? That's you, Tristan. I, I need you to speak on that in a second. Um, but now we're looking at like, you know, the high end, the gallery scene and blah, blah. And now we're looking at NFTs. And I'm like, the fact that the street artists are here, I'm like, we really need to pay attention to what you guys are doing and what these artists are doing, because I feel like there's something about you all that tends to inform where this goes. Tristan, you speaking of art toys, I didn't know this and I don't know why, but you had a hand, if not like you were the, the driver behind Dunny's. First of all, how dare you? <laughs> I was about to say it for you, bro. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, uh, yeah. Second of all, yes. Uh, but, you know, that whole storyline unfolded in New York City. Uh, you know, I, I'm from – I was born in Los Angeles, but I left when I was eight years old, right? So, you know, I moved to New York when I was, like, 19, turning 20, and uh, – fell in with Dr. Revolt and a lot of the guys at RTW who were like, you know, Zephyr, Hay, and uh, fell in with Dr. Revolt and a lot of the guys at RTW who were like, you know, Zephyr, Hayes, uh, Quick, all these like pioneer graffiti legends, right? And I was just a nobody and I, I loved being around all those old school graffiti writers and whatnot. But um, prior to that, I had been doing a lot of toy design for Fisher Price as like an 18 year old. Um, so I met the founder of Kid Robot um, around that time when my background was toy design and graffiti. So he wanted to launch this company and it was just a website at that point. So I helped him rebrand. I did the Kid Robot logo and we started collaborating with like Toy2R and we quickly realized we needed our own platform toy. And for those who know, don't know what a platform toy is, it's basically a toy like a bare brick or a Lego figure where you make the mold once and you just change the paint design on it. So it's like a platform. And I set out to design that for Kid Robot and I designed the Dunny and the Money. But beyond that, I was curating. So I was the one working with Dalek to make his first art toy with Scene and reaching out to artists all over the world to get them making art toys. So Dunny Series 1 is like Dr. Revolt, Quick, NYC Lays, Persuade, Muse, all kinds of writers. And, you know, the founder of Kid Robot didn't have that knowledge of the graffiti world and history. And I knew that that was key to our cultural bona fides, right? So I sent him home with like a copy of Style Wars and was like, dude, you're meeting scene tomorrow. You need to watch this movie before you meet him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I brought that to the table at Kid Robot. Um, and I'm very proud of all of that. And I, I also um, helped make the Cheech Wizard toy. 
And uh, that was like a, uh, something I'm very proud of because to me, Cheech Wizard is like the Mickey Mouse of early graffiti and uh, worked with Mark Baudet to make that as authentic as possible. And, you know, I was in New York City that whole time, you know, 23, 24 years old. Um, and when I was doing that, the only other artists making art toys were Cause, Stash, and Futura. Um, that was it, you know. So we were very early. And then we opened the Kid Robot store in New York. Or, sorry, San Francisco first, then New York then L.A., then Miami, then London, and it became this cultural phenomenon. You know, next thing I know, Jay-Z's on stage rocking my T-shirt, Lindsay Lohan coming out the store with bags and bags of stuff. and You know, it became its own genre and uh, a huge platform for a lot of artists. A lot of artists got their fame and fan base from doing their versions of my toys. And uh, those toys are in the MoMA now, which is amazing. And it's like a, a you know, big part of how I broke free and found a fan base and started my career, you know. So I'm very grateful for it. But it rhymes so much with the NFT space because blind assortment boxes, you know, where you have this one figure and 50 versions of it. Like, I've done this before, you know? So, so much of how PFP projects are made are identical to how we were designing uh, toy programs. So a lot of it feels really natural for a lot of us. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's a weird thing when you talk about street art and NFTs because it's so easy for street art to become corny when it leaves the street. Um, I think that it's a hard... Uh, question to answer how that's done but in my opinion it's all about giving the artists themselves the independence to do whatever the hell they want and nft technology giving that to them being the most important thing so they can do whatever the hell they want in the streets as opposed to bringing the streets into the blockchain um i don't know we'll see where it goes but anyway that's my little backstory on kid robot Okay, I mean, really, how dare I? I, <laughs> I, I I've learned my lesson. I, I need to sh show my way out. Dude, let me tell you how I met Tristan, though. Back, oh, this is funny. back before Comic-Con was like what the fuck it is now, it was like the only place I could ever go. And this is like at the height of my whatever, quote-unquote, fame. And... It's the only place I can go and like fan out on some shit. And I would like know where every guy is going to be. I knew Future's booth and I knew Tristan's booth, you know, when he was going to be at the Kid Rock Robot. So I went there and I waited in lines. And like, it was to, to each one of them, Fact. everybody would be like, yo, is, is, is that everlasting line? And that would be fucking <laughs> hilarious. Yo, I, I looked out at the line and I saw this one dude who seemed like five feet taller than everybody else. <laughs> and I was like, yo, is that Everlast? Get him out the fucking line, man. And, you know, it was funny, Eric, because there was rumors that you were in the discussion boards, the Kid Robot discussion boards back in the day. And I, uh, you came up on my radar because you bought one of my toys from a gallery. So the the the, the, kind of, the Mad L, the big Mad L. Yeah, the Thugger, yeah. the Thugger. I still got it. So I, you're, you're already on my mind. Oh, wait, don't you got and it? it was, I think you got it. You didn't the, take uh, it for the show? No, no, you still have that. Okay. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so that's how we met. And, you know, you were so kind, bro. You invited my whole team up to your house to come hang out. And we did. And then from that point forward, every time I came to L.A., I'd hang at Eric's house. And, you know, you like very graciously invited me into your world. And it was a very cool thing because I was just kind of getting to know L.A. again. And uh, you were like a, a very gracious host, man. I'm very just cool. a big nerd, homie. <laughs> Before we continue, I wanted to bring Sandy up on stage real quick just to talk about the pop. I want to make sure everyone gets free NFT. That's well, that signifies that they were here today. This is uh, this is one of my favorite bomb talks. Um, Sandy, your turn. See, yeah, this conversation is dope. Like it's so amazing. I mean, I'm learning so much in just this free space. But um, while I do have you guys here, please check out the pinned tweet. There is one, and you will have to scroll past some amazing art to get there. But the first, it starts off with "We're live." Um, please fill out that form, and you will get a POAP in return. A POAP is basically a free NFT that claims that you were at a certain spot at a certain time, um, just like a ticket stub would whenever you go to a concert or a movie. Um, so go ahead, fill it out. You will need a request code to go forward with it. The request code is Montana. Um, so fill out Montana, fill out the form. We'll get you your POAP by tomorrow. Thanks, Sandy. Risk, I wanted to ask you, you know, mm -hmm. Tristan kind of touched on this about what happens when street art leaves the streets, right? And that, that I, I get a mild version feedback of that uh, when people say, you know, like, Dude, the metaverse, like this is not streetwear. Streetwear's on the streets. Um, but you, you know, you are you you really started this movement generations ago, and now you're seeing it and you've seen it evolve in so many different iterations from the blogging era to social media, the internet, you know, um, the galleries, the street art or graffiti or whatever it is, it's just gone it's manifest in manifest in all different ways. And now we're looking at the blockchain and NFTs. Um in some ways, I'm, I'm like surprised. I'm like impressed that you're here because it seems like logically it might be just like a gigantic leap. But in other ways, I'm like, no, it's probably the most natural thing. Like, how did you navigate your, your way to this, you know, your path here? And yeah. how do you feel about the fact that graffiti and street art are on the blockchain? And, and what does that mean to you? <laughs> well, you know, I'm. I might be a caveman, but I don't want to be a dinosaur. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I want to uh, stay relevant. And I missed out on this thing one time called the computer, you know, back in the day. And I really regret that. So I don't want to miss out on this. And I want to be part of something new. Just like graffiti was something new, this is something new. It's exciting. It's a new community. It's the first time I saw people working together. Uh, you know, when we did graffiti back in the day, we used to battle. You know, every, everything was a battle. No one wanted to do shit together. And now all these people are coming together, so it's pretty exciting. And it's, it's, a, it's a challenge for me, you know. I have to learn this every day. And it feels good to be able to be insecure about something and be a toy again. Be like, oh, shit, I don't know shit. I have to learn all over again. And I like that feeling. You know, I like being in a, in a place that I'm scared. So, I don't know, it just seems natural because graffiti was so important to me because it was such a new art form that it seems natural that this would be important to me because it's a new art form. So I guess that's where I'm coming from. Risk, how do you think <laughs> NFTs are going to help graffiti writers, like, period? Like, you know, Sabre, uh, you know, filmed, uh, Chopping Down Films helped Sabre film some illegal graffiti, which was dope, and I think he minted that. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there should be more in that direction where it's, like, minting illegal graffiti as a way to monetize it? What do you think? 
I, I, you know, I really hope so. And not just to monetize it, bro, but I hope that a lot of graffiti artists get out of the, you know, there's going to be a lot of dudes that are just going to get left because they're going to talk shit about it. And that's sad to me. I think, you know, that people aren't going to expand their horizons and move forward. And I think that's what's exciting about it, you know? Um, yeah, about doing illegal graffiti as NFTs. I think it's such a new world that we don't really know where the NFTs are exciting about it, you know? Um, yeah, about doing illegal graffiti as NFTs. I think it's such a new world that we don't really know where the NFTs are going to be. You know, it's going to be music, movies. It's, it's everything, right? So I just think it's all cool. What do you say to your friends, um, you know, your peers who are looking at this technology in this space and just shitting on it? I'm sure you guys are hearing that. I hear it a lot from a lot of our peers. How do you address that? Well, at, at first I tell them that, you know, Let's be real. Let's talk real. And the reason you guys are hating is because you can't do it and you're scared to learn about it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just I try to stay away from those conversations, but I'm, I'm happy to have them with people. And I'm, I'm really happy that a lot of my friends are, like, trying to get down with this that, that haven't done it before. And I'll try to teach them everything I know, which isn't that much yeah, yet. I agree. You know? Yeah, one thing that's really cool is that I feel I see a lot of players who kind of skipped over Web 2 who were just not down with like even the social media era of it, but are getting into web three. <laughs> yeah. And so that that's cool because like, that's the energy we need, you know, I, I think they're going to bring a completely different perspective to the space. I'm, I don't, I, I'm sure you've been seeing that as well. hundred percent. Bobby, I, you know, I, I know that you've done so much onboarding and I, I think that that's like a huge part of this. And that debate is part of that onboarding process. And, I, I want to see what you thought about this kind of format that I created for myself that I think is a good way for artists to onboard themselves into this technology. And for every artist, there's an intimidating factor to releasing NFTs, which is like, will it sell and all this judgment about its value right out the gate. And I think that that, along with how confusing the technology is, makes like a very difficult border for entry, right? So um, what I what I try to do, Bobby, to like onboard was I created like a private collection of NFTs that aren't for sale that uh, were a gift to like my immediate community and my immediate fans that were like diehard collectors and family and vendors, you know, and I, I minted this like private collection just for them as like kind of like a carrot on a stick to get them to set up their MetaMask and get on board and all of that. And I think that's a really good thing for artists to do so they can go through the process of minting and learn the whole vernacular and uh, get their immediate community onboarded. And I think that's a, a template I'd like to see a lot of like scaredy cat artists follow so they can get their feet wet without any risk. You know what I mean? What, do, you, do you think there's any merit to that? Oh, 100%. I, I think that's pretty brilliant, honestly, Tristan. Like, when we talk to people about doing this, you can talk to them all you want, right? For hours, for days, for months. I mean, I've tried to onboard people for years, but until they actually do it, right? Until they actually own an NFT or went out and actually attempted to make the purchase, they don't have an appreciation. They don't get it. It's a lot of, it's like a lot of cool subcultures, like, understand certain genres of music until you go to a show. And you experience the performance. Like you got to put in the work, um, and so the right. fact that you are like dangling that carrot, and saying you have to, you know, onboard yourself in order to do this. Like I was talking to a friend the other day who's converting his entire company to Web three, 
and he's like, no one's getting their bonus this year unless they have a MetaMask because I'm sending it all in in ETH, right? And so, like, by brute force, we're going to force and shove uh, some of our communities if they're not willing to try to participate because most, when they get in, they're like, oh, this is actually quite easy and it's familiar and yeah, there's scams just like there's scams like in Web two and Web one, uh, but you know it's a lot more fun once you know like how to do it. it. It's there is a lot of code, there is a lot of language. The barriers are high, um, but you know once you're on the other side, it, it's it's a lot of fun. To keep it real, man, uh, the, the, I wasn't I didn't have any NFTs at all until I think Nick Diamond, my man Caves from Lords of Brooklyn, and Tristan all gave me. An NFT. They all were like, you got a MetaMask? I was like, no. Get one. Okay, I got one. I opened it up. I sent the number. Then I have these three NFTs. And then I start looking around what's going on. And I, now there's a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, just, <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's, it's that collector bug thing. It's just like, okay, this is going off. This is what's happening. I'm, I'm going to fuck around and see what happens. You know what I mean? So... You know, unfortunately, I was what a little too late for those for? for those big ones that you know are jumping off. But you know, we'll see what happens. No, no, no. We're we're all we're all still very early, and the big ones are they haven't even been designed yet. The, there are people in this room who are going to de- build the next big project, um, and at some point in the next few years. So I think we're just incredibly early. Uh, Everlast, what do you look for when you're going around? You're shopping. You're you're considering NFT projects. Uh, that's well, something that I, I get asked a lot. People I'll say, what you, do like, I buy? Where do I begin? Uh, well, you learn what the fuck you're doing because I probably lost like a grand buying stupid shit that wasn't real. So That's all part of the education. Yeah, no, nah, right? but, like, but don't, like don't have to lose territory. a grand. You know what I mean? You, 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 you could do it without <laughs> losing a grand. Uh, <laughs> It was just, are, it was just me jumping like- in without even thinking, and, and, and you know it, it wasn't like I never got like scammed. I just would I bought some dumb shit like oh that's stupid why did I buy that? But what I look for now is the same <laughs> thing I look for when I buy art, real art. I, I gotta like it. I gotta like it first. If I like it, I'll yeah, buy it. I'll buy I a couple. I, I never buy anything to sell it. I, it's just never been the. It's not the way I think. Um, so I just when I buy shit, I, I just I'd rather have things than money because money's really an illusion anyways. So I just fucking start throwing around. Plus, I always I, I'll be honest, like I always like the idea of I, I don't buy artists once they're really fully established, with the exception of maybe my man Tristan or Eaton here. Once you've crossed a certain threshold, I stop fucking with you. You're good. Your rent's paid. You're good. You're eating. You know what I mean? Like, I like the idea of patronizing young artists. You know what I mean? I like the idea of being like, yeah, I helped pay that dude's rent when he was I knew he was gonna be somebody. You know what I mean? There's there's something to that to me that feels good. Like I like that thought. Wow. You know what I mean? So that's always something too about this space for me is like, okay, you know, there are actually a lot of cats if they win, maybe I'm helping them win. You know what I mean? It's it's you know, it's just a, a it's a good it's a thing I like to do keeps an ecosystem really it keeps an ecosystem that i love going no that's right uh, that's really encouraging to hear we don't hear that side often enough yeah. and the other thing that we don't hear often enough is what you tristan risk we all just kind of mentioned is that you know we need to get to a place where nfts are not just a speculative asset you know we don't buy we don't collect things 
in life with the only intention to sell. You know, we collect things for many different reasons. Some of it we collect because it's an investment. Some art we collect as investments and, and we want it to appreciate with time. Most art we buy, most sneakers, music, records, whatever it is that you collect, you collect it because you just want to own it and you want to have it. And I think that's something that always gets lost with NFTs because people just attribute it to floor prices and they just want to see it go up and down on chart where it's like, first of all, you got to just buy what you like because you want to have this thing for as long as possible. As much as I think we're going to benefit from this generation of NFTs, it's really the generation in two decades, three decades from now where this stuff is going to explode just like it did with Jordans, just like it did with skateboard. Like it needs to be vintage. There's a junior, like my son who's in junior high, he sits around in his class with his friends and they're scrubbing, looking for invisible friends and apes and all this stuff. And they can't afford it today. But when they make the money in 20 years, they're coming back around and this stuff is going to really, really blow up. And so in the meantime, just buy what you like just to have it. Like most things in life, when you look around, you aren't thinking about like, did this get more expensive today? Like, should I sell this today? Like, we don't think like that in the physical world. And as, and, and as quickly as we can get there with NFTs, I think we're just going to create a more sustainable dynamic. There's something else to that, Bobby, that I, I want to add for sure, which is the community aspect of collecting that you get with NFTs that you don't get so formally elsewhere. Now, when you own a atom bomb or you like have a Gemma or, you know, any one of these artist projects, um, the community that is formed around it is a major selling point, which is so cool to see, but also very real to the uh, artists who have been selling work for a long time and already manage a community of collectors because it kind of comes second nature to us. Like, you know, people that buy my art have early access to print drops and other benefits of being a collector. Well, that's now more formalized through a Discord community and, you know, special access and bonuses you get from having collected that piece of art. And that is a utility for the artist in a huge way um, on top of being utility for the collector. But that aspect of it is, I think, so underestimated right now and so valuable to artists that are thinking about getting into uh, the NFT world where you can create a collection, have a community, and then have access to that community at any given time. That part of it is, I think, the best part of it. I mean, you can make money selling art, but you can't really have a community this way anywhere else. And that's like worth its weight in gold to me. Yeah. I mean, that's Tristan, you just nailed it because it's like a crew to me. You know, it feels like the old crew days, you know? Right, man. Yeah. Wow. I, I love, love that. that part of it. Yeah, I think it's really important. Um, I also think about, and, and this lends itself to what you were just saying, there's something about when I think about street art and, and the kids grew up writing, being writers and doing graffiti, you know, they weren't necessarily going to be invited in or included in the gallery realm or just kind of like the high art or the, even the commercial art world. And so they had to find their own way of getting their art seen. And for me, I remember feeling a lot like that because you know, I would reach out to galleries or just try to get my art on a wall somewhere. No one would take me. And so I, I was like, if I put it on T-shirts, like people will see it. And so writers are like, if I put it on the wall, if I put it on a sign, like people will see me. And so I, I was like, if I put it on t-shirts, like people will see it. 
And so writers are like, if I put it on the wall, if I put it on a sign, like people will see it. And I think there's that attitude is around again with Web3 and NFTs because a lot of this is to circumnavigate the galleries and just get their voices heard. And like, I can, anyone can mint their art and put it up on the blockchain and find and start cultivating their own community, which is really their patron base, right? And then you find yep. a collector like Everlast to come along and infuse, you know, some money into your project. And now you can start developing a career. Yeah. Also, can I just do a quick shout out to people that are here? I see Shane Jessup in here and Caves. Jesse Hernandez, Jeff Soto, Mitch Putnam, like all kinds of amazing people are listening right now. This is great. Oh, my God. All those names. <laughs> Legends. <laughs> yeah, there's so many great people. That's crazy. Um, um, uh, before we go on any further, Tristan, I, can we actually talk about your project? You, you have a, a project that recently came out. It's called Gemma. Yeah. Uh, it's 5,000 5, PFP style. Uh, but I, I, I hate saying people. It's not even... Yours are like just pure art to me. Um, if you don't mind just ex explaining a little bit about what you're doing with it. Yeah, it was um, an NFT art project uh, within the uh, architecture of a PFP generative idea, right? So uh, basically there's 5,000 pieces and I created um, a system of art that could be generated through this AI um, so that basically 5,000 individual works of art as standalone paintings. So I started with this portrait of this girl I called Gemma, grayscale portrait, and then layered hundreds and hundreds of pieces on top of her to create a signature collage painting in my style. And the auto generator generates combinations of all those pieces. And some are obviously more rare than others. Some are like extremely rare. But it was kind of following the idea of like the multiverse where when I set out to work on a painting, I don't know what direction it's going to go in. But now I can see every possible outcome of that painting with this project. So um, we launched it um, in January and it sold out really fast. And uh, one of the interesting aspects of the project is that every 90 days we have what I call a bonfire. So you can burn your NFT in exchange for a 24-inch art print of that image. And that's and why I got like 20 of them. There we go. He knows. He knows. So um, the, the effect of that is that it makes the actual collection on the, on the blockchain uh, smaller and all the pieces rarer. And um, people that are like, you know, nervous about collecting NFTs can cash out at the bonfire and have that one-of-one -one art print. And, you know, at the time of Mint, you know, it, we sold them for what was the equivalent of 350 USD, which is, you know, probably half what I'd charge for a one-of-one 24-inch one art print. So it was kind of like a, a win-win, you can't really lose scenario. But I'm so proud of the quality level of every single one. Every single piece feels like a piece of art I would definitely make. And, and I approve of every single piece in the collection. And that was my goal was to bring the fine art aspect to the NFT world a little more to balance out a lot of what turns people off from NFTs, which are like the weird, you know, adjective plus noun PFP animal projects. Um, people in my world see all of that as a little silly. 
So I, I'm really happy to see so many artists bringing like fine art projects to the blockchain. And uh, this was kind of my contribution towards that end. But it's been amazing. It's been an awesome ride so far. And, you know, we have a big community going already. And um, you can go to Gemma.art to check it out and hit our, our links from there to OpenSea and whatnot. Um, but we're, we're just getting started. It's about a month old. So uh, it's been just a really cool experience so far. The first bonfire is in a couple months? Yeah, 90 days from the mint is the first bonfire. And I'm a little scared because, you know, we have to actually, yeah. like, print all of those and sign and ship all of those. Yeah, <laughs> but I was we, say, yeah, what do you expect? I don't know. We set aside money from the Mint to cover the cost of all that. We're not stupid. So we got that covered, thankfully. But uh, I'm expecting, man, I, I don't know, maybe 500 people to burn their NFTs at minimum. That's my guess. I don't know. The experimentation and the unknowingness of it all is partially what makes it so fraught, but also makes it so exciting, right? I like know. We're, we're like setting up the rules as we're playing the game. Like we just keep moving the goalposts and we're like, let's try this. Let's try. I don't know what's going to happen. And it's like, seriously, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's really wild. But, um, you know, I, I'm very much so onboarding artists in my world and convincing artists to get on board and do things and a lot of the conversations i have are, are with artists saying like okay well how can we come up with a wild crazy idea that works for your style and who you are so that you're not changing who you are just to make an nft but you're bringing who you are to it and uh doing it in a way that's exciting and there's no rules so you know you can be buck wild and you know do anything you want at this point really Tristan and Risky, I know Risky, you're working on a project yourself. And one question that often uh, I hear a lot is from younger artists, you know, street artists, or just independents, um, you know, their, their, their talent and their strength is in, is in creating painting, sculpting, whatever it is. They're just not really that familiar or friendly with tech. And they don't know how to devise these projects. Like they don't have access to engineers or agencies. And so I don't know how the two of you came uh, in touch with the people who helped you develop this, your own projects. But what, what advice do you give to artists who are just like, look, I have the art. I can do this. I have a great idea. Um, I just don't know how to get it actually on the blockchain. Yeah, I mean, I would say just you just that's one of those things you just have to do it. Like that's the same with the graffiti when no one ha knew how to do it, you just grab some spray paints and learn how to do it. I think it's the same with this. You just, it's such a learning curve, and you just have to jump into it. And like, I hired a team. You know, I have a team behind me that helps me every day. And yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I recommend people use Manifold to mint directly to the blockchain because um, you'll have your own smart contract. Um, and you know you don't have to go through OpenSea to mint, but OpenSea can view what you mint on the blockchain, and you know that's what I did with Manifold, and I love the independence of that. Um, but you know, at, at this stage, there's you know online tutorials for how to independently mint a million different ways. Um, but it's definitely intimidating. Um, and I, I was very lucky. My friend Mitch Putnam came to me um, and, uh, you know, asked me to collaborate with them. And they also created the Obey NFT project and have done so many amazing things that I was in good hands there. 
Um, so, you know, I, I wanted to take it slow. My first project was with Legend. And, uh, and I kind of like slowly got bigger and bigger as I went with each project. But it is intimidating. Yeah. Chris, do you mind telling us a little bit about what you're working on behind the scenes? Um, well, I'm working on a couple of things, but like I'm doing a collaboration with Dave Navarro right now. And I don't know how much I can really talk about it, but there's going to be a music aspect to it. There's going to be a, a docu documentary aspect to it. And um, a bunch of utility with him and his music and, and meet and greets and stuff like that. But we're also designing. Um, I can't really talk about that. <laughs> I can't talk about that. But it's going to be cool. <laughs> the more you're talking about it, you're like, I shouldn't be talking about it. I shouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and you have, uh, are, you, are you planning on doing your own type of collectibles project like this? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the first one, I did a Genesis drop and it was kind of some, I took, um, you know, 30 years of assets of stuff I've done with my Riscoleum can or butterflies or whatever it is. And did the auto generator and reproduced, I don't know, I think a thousand, and we sold like a thousand. And it was just cool. And I, that was getting my feet wet. And I just really wanted to start slow and, and kind of feel it out because I talked to so many people, man. And everyone just had a different opinion. And then when I got the team I have now, I just felt good about it. And I thought I'd try it out, and I did. And now we have two projects we're working on. So I'm looking forward to it. That's amazing. Tristan Everlast, you teased a little bit about project you might be working on involving music is that did i get that right uh, uh it's yeah it's house of pain's 30th anniversary this year so me and tris are toying around with some ideas of what we're going to do about it <laughs> nice <Wow. laughs> are you going to do that collaboratively or tris are you going to help set it up or did you even get that no it's yet? tris is me and tris are partnered up on it there's a he redesigned like a a, a I kind of reapproached the logo a little bit for the 30th anniversary vinyl release we're already doing, and we're taking elements of that and the entire first album. And I'm, you know, and and I'm not going to tell y'all too much, but it's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we got it. Fun. Yeah, yeah, that sounds crazy. We got it. We got to do a House of Pain collab for this year. It's, it's a time, dude. Oh, that's a great idea. We, Danny, we got to get Danny involved. We got to do it. Um, uh, okay, last question. And before we even move there, I want to uh, just real quick, I'm not going to bring Sandy back up, but grab your POAPs. If you if you scrub at the top where the tweets are, it'll tell you a little bit about how to claim your free POAP to say that you're here today. Uh, I wanted to you know, top where the tweets are. It'll tell you a little bit about how to claim your free POAP to say that you're here today. Uh, I wanted to, you know, once again, if you're just joining us, you join us a little late. We're talking to street art legends, collector legends, music legends in the room. Um, the topic was street art and NFTs. And the reason why we thought this was so important is that for whatever reason, Street art has just always seemed to be the harbinger of things to come. They are, uh, street artists are always on the front lines. They're always defining what culture is for that generation. For us, it was streetwear and all the streetwear brands and the fashion that emanated from it. We have to point directly back to the street art, the street artists who paved the way for that to happen. And, and we're seeing it happen again. Um, and one thing, you know, Tristan said earlier that just blew my mind because I was so late in learning this was um, when they were putting together the dunnies and the monies and this concept of the platform toy, right? And you yep. would get these essentially generative 
physical objects that people were painting on and designing upon. And, you know, that's essentially exactly what, you know, these NFT collections, these PFP avatar projects have are known as today. Yeah. Um, and so like you already saw this happen. What comes next? That's, that's just kind of where I want to, you know, I'm looking to you to kind of to, to the three of you to kind of give us insight as to what happens next. Like Tristan, from your experiences, like what, where do we, what happens from here? I think that, um, you know, good ideas are universal no matter what the medium. And I think that artists being independent is key to good ideas happening. And whatever it is that gives artists uh, less worry about their rent and more time to worry about executing their ideas, that's going to, you know, deliver. And NFTs are doing that right now. There's like a flood of wealth into this big community of artists. And that's going to empower people to uh, realize their biggest, wildest, crazy ideas. You know, when I make money, I don't buy houses. I invest in my art, you know. So that kind of independent freedom and power, I think, is going to kind of like rocket fuel all of these already genius artists to uh, go bigger and, and wilder and crazier. Um, how the technology evolves to support that is kind of the unpredictable part. But I know right now it's giving artists immense power and freedom. And that alone is really exciting, man. Yeah. I don't, for me, I don't really know what's going to happen next. I never do with my whole career. I've never known. Like I look at, I think it's like life is like a ride, you know? And it's like, if you know what happens next, the ride's kind of over and I never want it to be over. So I just, I just keep on keeping on. That's right. What about you, Everlast? Oh, um, I, I don't know. I mean, as, as far as like as far as the future of NFTs in general, I mean, there's a there's there's you know just almost infinite implications of what it can be used for. But one of the things I think is going to be interesting is as it becomes probably a cheaper thing to mint something, it it, it will replace like the copyright in a lot of ways. Like if I have an idea and I'm fucking worried about it, I can mint it right now. And it's a timestamp, a date and I did right there. And if you didn't have it before there that, you, you didn't have it before yeah. that, you know what yeah. I mean? So there's, there's so many interesting things that are yet to even be thought of. I mean, shit, it, that's like, it's like you're saying 20 years down the line, this is, this is going to be a way of life. Like all this, this whole just digital money and art and all, you know what I mean? It's just going to be, it's not going to be a wonder. People are, you know, it's just going to be what it is. So I don't know what's coming next, but I'm real. I'm tuned in. <laughs> wow. That was, I love how you ended that. Oh, we're all tuned in. Yeah, we're watching. I, I said it earlier. I, I think this is one of my favorite bomb talks we've ever done. Um, you guys are all just so animated and just so rich with information, man. It's crazy. It's like, that's also I know I, these two guys for fucking ever, so, and you. I mean, I know you forever, basically. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. I don't even. To me, I don't. I forget. There's probably I don't know how many other people listening. It's just I'm There's talking a to lot you guys. Of people in the room listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. That's why Kelly kept going like, "Oh wait, I can't." Oh, no, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> there's people. <laughs> there's people listening. Um, look, uh, I, I I really appreciate everyone being here today, um, and to everyone listening. Uh, and I, I hope you learned a little bit. You know, we started off the conversation just talking about, you know, these are strange cousins in the room, the street art and NFTs. But um, 
by the end of this conversation, maybe you've seen how it not only makes perfect sense, it, it almost had to go this way. And um, we're really looking to, to these guys to, to dictate where a lot of this can possibly go next. And so check out Tristan's project. It's beautiful. It really looks unlike any other project that's out there right now. And it's really thoughtfully done. Thanks. And, um, and you know, you're going to be hard pressed to consider whether you want to burn your NFT and, and have the print because like, man, <laughs> that's like a tough choice to put upon your collector. Um, and, uh, and look out for what risk is working on next and everyone just watch what, whatever last is collecting because he, he always has his, uh, his thumb on, on, on what, what's going to be the next cool thing. Um, any final thoughts guys? Uh, props to you, Bobby. You're a pioneer in all of this, man. Yeah, man. Big time. And thank you for giving us the platform here. Um, it's been inspiring watching you uh, give to your community and, and build your community and just how much of a wild, creative visionary you are, man. Props to you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, it's, it's been really fun. Uh, well, and My advice is just sur this. surround yourself with smart people. That's all. I yep. just know a lot oh, yeah. of smart people. And I copy them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week for Bomb Talk. Follow all my friends up on stage here. Follow them. And uh, and have a great week. Big up, right, guys. Thank you. Peace out, y'all. Peace. Bye. Bye.